Okay, welcome everybody to episode number 56 of Collectible Live. Today is Sunday, December the 11th, 2022, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everyone who joined us last time with our guests, Sarah Martin and David Marino, both of Collectible. Note that the next episode of Collectible Live will be on Tuesday, December the 20th, and that will be the last episode of the year. We will be back on January the 8th, 2023. But let's get to tonight's episode and bring out our guest, Bob Means from eBay. How are you today? Welcome to Collectible Live. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. You bet. It's great to have you. To the chat, everybody watching, uh, feel free to leave some comments and questions in the chat. We'll get to as many as we can. Bob, let's start off uh, pretty quick. How has 2022 been for eBay and trading cards? Yeah, another very, very strong year. It's been exciting to be a part of. Um you know, a multiple billion dollar category on eBay, on eBay, um, lots of energy, lots of movement. It's just, it's been a great year. It's been an exciting year. Um, we continue to see a, a need to have a focus here and continue to build the tools and suite of tools that we need for eBay to, you know, participate in the hobby and help drive the hobby forward. Right on. You know, here's a question. I just thought of this right now. I've been using eBay, you know, I think it feels like my whole life, but at least, uh, Oh gosh, into the back to the 90s. I think my I think my registration date was December of 1999, somewhere in there. And uh, you know, back then and through until recently, I never really knew just how important trading cards and sports cards were to eBay. And now, you know, seeing eBay's installations at big events, I'm starting to feel like, you know, eBay is well aware of trading cards. Can you sort of just mention how how big, how important are trading cards to eBay overall? Well, you know, we've been in this business for 26 plus years, and it really started as a platform that enabled us to connect um, buyers and sellers across the collectible hobby, uh, across all hobbies within collectibles, right? So comic books, trading cards, any vinyl, like all of these, all of these things that people collect, we basically expanded the world for them. You know, back in the day, when you were setting up your account originally, as was I, um, if you wanted to get some trading cards, you might have a shop that you could get to. You might have, be able to go to the occasional show, but eBay opened up a national and ultimately an international audience. Um, trading cards is a big part of the collectible universe. And um, it's collectibles is, you know, it's, we are the original destination for collectibles and we have unmatched inventory, hard to find items, one of a kind items, exclusive NFTs, sports memorabilia, all of it. So, uh, and then trading cards is is like the, uh, you know, it's the cornerstone of the whole category for me. Good. Well, you know, it's always nice for us collectors and hobbyists to know that uh, that trading cards are a priority for the biggest uh, the biggest marketplace in the hobby. Let's get to know you a little bit, Bob. Um, what's your role at eBay? How long have you been there? Yeah, so I've been here now since 2015. I'm the director of trading cards. Uh, which is um, a funny sounding title, but it's a really cool job to have, right? I'm, I'm mainly here to drive innovation in the space, uh, make sure that buyers and sellers have the tools and the trust that they need to uh, run their businesses. And, and um, overall, I'm responsible for deepening eBay's engagement among card collectors, right? So understanding the challenges and the friction that exist in the hobby space, going to shows, listening to people, hearing the problems, hearing the successes, understanding what it is that people need, and then try to bring that stuff to life on eBay. That's my job. And it's a good one. Yeah. And with eBay being such a big organization, I mean, to me, eBay, it, it just feels like a huge company. I've never been to the office. I don't really know. But, you know, eBay's, uh, eBay is seems to be everywhere. Um, when it, when you are looking to innovate or make a change, you know how hard is it to push something through the process and up the chain, let's say, so that you can actually have the resource resources allocated, uh, execute and deliver to the customers. Is it, is it a challenge, or how quickly do things get turned around? Yeah, it is a challenge, and um, one of the things that we have to do is we have to really think. I have to really think about what this offers everybody, first of all, and then can I extend it outward, right? Can I, can I add this to, um, can I add this tool to other things? Years ago, eBay really was a company that thought about um, things in what we would call a horizontal way, you know, every, just a very democratic platform that everybody can do business on. But, you know, trading cards as an example is one of these places that we realized that the, the needs of the business are very specific. And so we began a process of 
verticalization, where we started thinking about what's right for the collectible category, specifically what's right for the trading card category. Uh, an example of this is, you know, we changed the return policy so that stores who sell on eBay could um, have a zero day, a zero return policy, which is still covered by three days of eBay money back guarantee. But that's very different from every other category on the site. And we recognize this because, um, you know, at the time there was tremendous volatility in the market. People's cards were doubling in value overnight. And we we really couldn't have what was, you know, a 30 day return policy was just fair, unfair to both sides. And so it's looking at policies and, and tools that we need to really make to drive the business forward. Um, you're right. It is a big company. It takes a long time um, and it takes a lot of people to contribute to it, to uh, make make the events actually happen, make the tool come to life, whatever it is. And then we also need to be comfortable with iterating on it. Um, and, you know, we might get something out to market that gets the job done, but it's not quite where we want it to be. So then we have to iterate and make it better and make it better. And um, again, a lot of that is driven from the feedback that we get from people when we're at these shows, when we do shows like this. Um, and it's super helpful for us to understand where we need to continue to tweak and push. For sure. I can imagine. Um, a question about your team. You are uh, you're the director of trading cards, and I, I imagine you've got a team under you. Can you give us a somewhat of a, an idea, a feel for how big is the team that is assigned to trading cards uh, at eBay? Yeah, we have we have myself, um, and then we have um, two people working on the sports trading card side of the business, and two people working on the collectible card game side of the business. Um, they're very similar businesses, shockingly similar collectible card games, you know, Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, they have the, the additional need of being something that people will purposely destroy, right? Cause they're playing with them versus a sports trading card. You're not going to, you know, wing your favorite card at somebody in order to try to uh, win a, a, a game, but the collectible side of it, the investing side of it, the, all of those things are very, very similar. And then we have some account managers who work on our team and business development team. The team is actually fairly large and robust. Right on. So, so I imagine that that your department or your vertical, your division can can uh, call on resources that are more shared across all verticals within eBay. Does that like design? Yeah, that's a fair. Or... That's a fair. That's that's fairly. That's yeah. that's a fair um, um, assessment. Cool. Uh, let's learn a little bit more about you and your hobby background. Uh, let, I'm always curious, somebody who has an important position in our hobby like yourself, what is your what is your history in this hobby that that you know we're all very excited to be a part of? Yeah, you know, um, my my journey at eBay started doing work within the toy category, which collectible card games is in. And I was fascinated with collectible card games because it's an incredibly big business. And that's really where I started to learn about sort of you know, the, the various customers that we have, people that are buying it because it's a passion for them, people that are buying it because they collect them, people that are buying it because they want to game with them. Um, so I really got some insight into just that real energy that's in this space. Um, and then I took over the, the role of just focusing on trading cards, both on the CCG and the sports trading card side. And it was really sort of the same process of getting out there and learning about what people's, you know, what drives them. Um, I'm a collector. I was a collector prior to taking on this job. You can see I've got a the the odd looking things behind me. Those are skateboards. I've I collect the skateboards that I rode back when I was a kid. Um, I have a vinyl collection, and I also have a sports trading card collection. Because as I got into this, just the passion that that people have for it kind of just immediately sucked me in. So I first thing I did is I kind of tiptoed my way in by um, getting into some older cards that I had as a kid. Um, thankfully not high value. <laughs> so it was great to learn about how to hunt, how to find them. Um, so I've, I've been collecting the, the giants cards, the San Francisco giants. I'm a California guy been collecting those from my childhood. And it's just really, I love when I get that card back in my hand that I've been hunting, it brings back a wave of memories of being a candlestick park and being freezing cold and, and watching these guys play. Then from there, I started to move into some higher value cards. I started collecting the the Niners of my youth, so Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. Then you get you, you know you just get sucked into it. Then you want that rookie card. You know the his second year card is not enough. Now I got to go get the rookie card. And then once you have the rookie card, 
I want a finer version of the rookie car. So I've just, I've gotten sucked in with everybody else. Um, it's funny, you know, today, just breaking news. I was watching the Niners play Brock Purdy. Literally, as I'm watching the game now, I'm thinking, should I go get a Brock Purdy rookie card? And sure enough, I'm watching the game. I'm scrolling through eBay and look, and, and, and I think there's a lot of people who had the exact same idea I did. So anyways, it's, it's, it's added a lot to the way that I enjoyed games. Um, big Warrior fan, big Giants fan, big Niner fan. So now I'm collecting Clay. I'm collecting Steph Curry. I'm collecting current Niners. It's just, it's just expanding. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's all, it's really cool to know that you are a collector yourself. You mentioned you kind of registered for eBay around the same time that I did back in the the late nineties. So uh, re- really cool. And, you know, you, you mentioned one thing that convinces me you're a collector, which is when you mentioned how, you know, you're on that hunt and then you can't wait for it to come. And then the card kind of like you, you do you enjoy mail days like the rest of us, Bob? Yeah. 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 And, um, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the padded envelope that you look for, you know, you just kind of, unfortunately you push aside the, you know, the cap one bill and the American express bill and the, and the PG and E bill. And you just try to find that padded envelope in there and, and rip it open and see what you got. And it's, it's fun. Yeah. Mail days are great. Right on. And I, I did notice your skateboards behind you. I was going to ask you about them and then, and then you brought them up. Uh, T dot wants to know who's your favorite skateboarder. Please don't say Tony Hawk. I think he's the only skateboarder I'm familiar with, but do you have a favorite? Yeah, so uh, Christian Hosoy from about the same generation as Tony Hawk. Um, he was my he was kind of my idol when it came to skateboarding back in the day. Right on. We had a comment here from Caesar says eBay's got one of the best platforms and been seeing the upgrades over the last two years. Yeah, I've, we've all been noticing changes on eBay over the last yeah, several thank years. You, Caesar. Nick says best feeling is the mail day. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Uh, he's he's his, that that skateboarder you just mentioned happens to be T Dot's favorite as well. He had his board very, uh, very cool. All right. The hammerhead T Dot. Yeah, the hammerhead. Japanese board. He says. Ah, nice. Cool. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Art Basel because last week on the show, actually just on this past Wednesday, we had Sarah Martin and Dave Marino of Collectible and uh, Collectible along with eBay partnered up for the Art Basel event down in Florida last weekend. Um, why don't you, we, we heard from Collectible what their sort of debrief was of the event, how things went over. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, what, what, what it was from eBay's perspective or why from eBay's perspective you wanted to have a presence uh, at Art Basel, partnered up with Collectible. And if you don't mind, just riff on that for a bit. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, just from a personal a personal experience while I was there, um, we were at the scope, which was, uh, one of the art exhibits that happens during art puzzle. Um, the art was spectacular, right? It's all very modern contemporary stuff, pop art. People are walking around checking all this amazing stuff out, but people would come into our booth where there was some art and there were cards and there were comics and you would almost see people just relax there. You'd see the shoulders go down a little bit. They, it, it's it was, it was a great sign of the way of the comfort that some of this stuff actually brings. And then they got very engaged. They want to talk about it. And they all instantly understood the idea of this being art, right? Especially when you're showing a 52 mantle or something, which is hand-drawn in the first place. Um, but even, even some of the, um, you know, even some of the more contemporary and modern pieces have a lot of graphic design aspects. They have a lot of, there's just a lot that goes into them. And so I think people, just like art, really understood the idea of an alternative asset, um, a, a, a deep a deep investment in something that would be, you know, um, something that you're going to want to hold on for a long time. Collectible was there because Collectible is bringing some absolutely amazing inventory and they're going to be putting it into our vault, which is a big component of the long-term investor for the future. Um, and then also... I'm as a as a collector, I absolutely understand their their vision around fractionalization. And I think it's brilliant. Um, I think fractionalization is going to be just one other part of other pe- of people's portfolios go forward. And uh, I think it's really exciting to imagine being able to have a piece of a 52 mantle again or, you know, so uh, it was a great partnership. I think it was a lot of fun to be to be showing what we love off in that sort of in that sort of environment. 
And it was just awesome seeing these people come in and, you know, really take a second. You would see them actually process it in their head. You could kind of get the sense that they would walk in there and say, what, what is comic books, trading cards, what is going on here? And then they would just think and, and you get there, you go, yeah, wait, what am I, these are, these are unique pieces. Some of these are ones of ones. Um, There's tremendous design behind them. I get it. And so that was a lot of fun. Did you learn anything there uh, from Art Basel that you might not have expected? I mean, it seemed, you know, as as collectible enthusiasts, we would think, I mean, I would think to that that anyone who's going to come across the eBay collectible installation at the event is going to love it. That's what I would assume, because I know that I would love it if I stumbled upon it. Did you learn anything about kind of the art enthusiast and their reaction to and how they would accept or or look at sports cards as art and maybe start collecting them and then therefore shopping on on ebay well you know one of the things that i think is really interesting about the connection between trading cards and art was the provenance of 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 the art and of the trading cards people want to understand the story behind it um and i think you know even of where how where did you get this card from? Where is it coming from? Where is it going? All of those kind of things. And those are, those also really matter in the, um, in the art world. And then what you find is you find people who specifically collect specific artists. And there's a lot of people that collect specific players, collect specific teams. Like I do. I just, I just go after my West coast teams. Those are the ones that I, that's my gig. Um, And, you know, so I think we, we saw a lot of parallels there of, of, you know, getting focused on what it is that drives your passion and then, um, you know, chasing it however it's appropriate for you to chase it. Yeah, yeah, good good to hear. Um, you mentioned the eBay vault a few minutes ago there that, that collectible is putting about $5 million worth of uh, value in value of collectibles into the eBay vault. Would you like to just speak to the eBay vault, sort of what is eBay's uh, strategy behind releasing it and what can you tell us about that uh, that service, that tool? Yeah, the vault's pretty straightforward right now. And again, like I, I, saw, I told you earlier, like we need to get things out sometimes and then we need to iterate on them and change them and, and evolve them. But where the vault is right now is any card that's been graded by the big four graders for $250 and above. And the big four would be PSA, Beckett, uh, CGC, and SGC. Um, any card above $250 is eligible to go to the vault. While you're going through a checkout, if you've never enrolled in it, there will be an enrollment process. It takes 30 seconds. It's really super easy. Um, And then you can send it to the vault. So the question is, why do you send it to the vault? And there's multiple reasons. Um, One could be that you are, like me, starting to run out of room in your house for whatever it is that you collect. And you would prefer to have these in a secure storage facility, temperature controlled, humidity controlled, all of these things. Um, and you're going to put it in there in order to let it just sit and uh, appreciate in value. You don't necessarily want to have it sitting on your desk, whatever. Um, so it's a great place for long-term storage. It's a great place to put a card in and let it just uh, stay out of your hands where it can be. Now, what's amazing about the vault is it's zero, zero seller fees. And I think that that is slowly getting out to everybody. They're starting to, you know, they, they look at me kind of crooked. And then um, I go, yeah, yeah, zero seller fees. So if it's in there, if it's gone to the vault and you decide you want to sell it because maybe the player has uh, done some amazing things and the cards appreciated in value, um, you can sell it. And uh, whoever buys it hopefully keeps it in the vault too because it's the exact same thing now. I'm just going to leave it in the vault. I'm now the owner of the card and I'm going to sit on it until such a time that I actually want to sell it. And so in many ways, we see the vault as a way of creating just seamless transactions, cutting out some of that shipment process that can be, you know, that we love mail day, but it's also scary when that card's on its way to you, right? Because that's where it seems like some shenanigans can happen and some bad things can happen to the card that you want. Um, But if you do want to, if you do want to get it out of the vault, you know, we've got, if you buy something that's in the vault and want it shipped to you, eBay is going to do the fulfillment and take care of it for you. Um, if you leave something in there for a long time, there is a withdrawal fee. So if you have something in there for a year and then finally you're like, I, you know, I'm going to this trade night in a couple of weeks. I really want to have that card because that's the one that I want to take there. You can withdraw it. And again, eBay will take care of that fulfillment for you. I want to ask, you know, you mentioned there's no seller fees and people kind of look at you cross-eyed when you, when you mention that, um, what's the, why not, why aren't there any seller fees? 
Well, right now, so again, we're gonna we're building out the whole fee structure, and, and within the next few weeks, we're gonna be. So we've locked in what we're doing for 2022, and there's not a lot of 2022 left. So I can't get into what is going to be happening in the coming years, but we will be getting out our fee structure to everybody so everyone understands where all the puts and takes are. But zero seller fees is a big component of our vault go forward. We have a question from Kenny D. Wants to know, can Canadians use the eBay vault? Not yet, Kenny, but this is a top priority for me. There's There are uh, export issues with a vaulted item. Um, and that's something that we need to, that's again, one of these iterative things that we need to work on. Bob, anything else about the vault you'd like to mention before we move on to some of the other tools that eBay has rolled out recently? No, I think uh, that's the main story. I mean, we really see the vault as a place where in the future, once we have this thing exactly where we want it to be, it's going to be about frictionless trading. And I think a lot of people are getting very comfortable with the idea of uh, not necessarily physically having cards in their hands, but having them stored digitally. So when you have something in the vault, it'll also be part of your collection. Uh, on the eBay app. So, you know, if you were out to dinner and you guys wanted to talk cards, you could do it. You could pull up the collection manager on eBay and be like, here's some stuff that I've got. This is in the eBay vault. This is in the eBay vault. This is at my house. Um, the other thing that we are going to need to work on is the ability for people to submit cards directly to the vault. So right now, the only way of getting something into the vault is buying something on eBay. Clearly, we need to figure out how to have people who are sitting on cards at their house to get them into the vault as well. And you mentioned that to get a card into the vault, it has to be worth $250 or more. You know, and you also you also recognize that a lot of collectors want to have the cards in hand. So even though you are rolling out, you've rolled out the vault, you're going to continue to iterate on it. Do you kind of expect a full sort of uh, conversion from collectors to the vault? Or do you recognize, like, what, 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 are, what are eBay's expectations on that? Because, you know, for me as a collector... I like to have my cards in hand. I understand the attraction of using vaults. There are several reasons to use a vault. But what do you say to people or, or do you say anything to people who are like, well, I just want to have my cards in hand? No, I say keep them in your hand then. Like the vault is the vault is for some collectors who see a need for it. There's a lot of people that we will, will never engage in the vault outside of maybe buying some stuff because they, they can get great deals from it. Um, but you know, you might buy something out of the vault, but if that's not your thing, if you don't want to put stuff in the vault, we've got the marketplace right over here doing what it's been doing for 26 plus years. So yeah, trade, collect, invest, do it how you are comfortable doing it, do it how, do it, how it works for your world. Um, I think one of the things that is important about the hobby is the fact that there's a huge social component to it. It's why we all love going to the trade shows. It's why we all love trade nights. Um, so, you know, a lot of these things are just to continue to expand on the services available at any one given time and let people trade how they want to trade, how they're most comfortable with it. So I, I totally get it. There's cards that won't come out of my won't come out of my collection ever. Um, some of my most valuable cards don't actually have financial valuable financial value behind them. I mean, they got some, but, you know, it's not even about the money. It's about when I got that card, where I was when I got that card, the story behind it and, and some of that stuff has great meaning to people. And we know there's a lot of people who like to like see their card, right? They just want to, they want to know it's in their possession and, and have it. At the same time, um, you know, I don't know if you want to have a $15,000 card sitting on your desk. So, you know, I think the security that we offer is top notch. I think uh, the storage that's going to be there is, is, is top notch. So there will, there might be needs for you to do things differently uh, based off of the specific card too. You might put some of your stuff in the vault, keep some of it at home, keep some of it in a locked safe, whatever. But, you know, uh, 50 years ago, or not even 50 years ago, I shouldn't even age myself this bad. Uh, less than 50 years ago, I remember going to the safe deposit box with my mom, right? And you would go there for your passports and you would go there for, you know, some silver coins that you had. You would put all the things that were super special to you, but you just wanted them sort of out of sight, out of mind, where you could just store them safely. I think that's a big piece of what we're expecting out of the vault. Cool. Okay. Let's talk about a couple other tools that I know you guys are rolling out. You've got price guide and you've got collection. Um, why don't you just riff on those in any order you'd like and explain what they are and how you think they're going to help uh, the hobby 
grow, mature, or just serve the hobby? Yeah, so for collection, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's the ability to keep track of where your cards are at any one given time. So when you buy something off of eBay, it automatically wants to go into your collection. You can still opt out of it if you want, um, or you can send it in there. And um, so that's cool. So you, you've got everything you've bought on eBay. It's going in your collection. You're keeping track of it. We also need to build the ability for people who have their Excel or Google Sheets you know, and they've been documenting their cards for a, a thousand years. We need to, we want to make it so it's easy for you to get those uploaded into the collection tool as well. And the primary reason to do this is for you to be able to keep track of everything. So to your point, you know, some of your stuff might be in the vault, some of it might be at home, whatever, but now you have everything in one place and the value of those cards would be adjusting every single week or day based off of eBay price guidance. So we've got the deepest data in the world on, on price guidance. And what we want to do is, is, we want to make it so that that's integrated into the way that you're looking at your collection at any one given time on eBay. You know, one of the things that I always get a kick out is when we go to the shows and, um, you know, all the buy, sell trade is happening, but everyone's got their phone out. Everyone's on the eBay app and they're using that as their guide for what they need to do. And so that's, we know that the pricing guidance is incredibly important to us. We know that we need to just keep making it and fine tuning it and making it better so that it's a, it's a tool that people can go straight to but we'd love to have it connected to people's collection. And then eventually you'll have the ability to take something in your collection and just create an instant listing for, um, you know, and it, so if you decide to sell something, make a listing of it instantly. If you want to turn, if you have something in the vault that you want to turn on uh, as a sellable item, turn it on. That way you just kind of control what you're doing, your ins and outs and your, your, the flow of your inventory of your collection. You, you know, you mentioned that people are at a, at a card show and everyone's looking at the eBay app, looking at uh, sort of completed listings and that sort of thing for comps. I'm, I'm curious your thought on on comps and eBay comps. Maybe we can talk about eBay comps in particular because you're with eBay. But as a collector yourself, do you like what is your expectation from the hobby, from people you know actively buying and selling cards uh, in terms of them relying on eBay comps? Uh, you know, maybe alone in a vacuum versus, you know, and, and I'm not just asking you this question to, to, to ask you, like, how important are, are eBay comps? It's more how important are comps in general to you when buying cards? And with for additional context, if, if we only ever are willing to pay the most recent comp, card values, collectible values will never move. They'll always be the same if everyone's only going to pay the last comp. Because there would the, the last comp would always be the same as as there are more and more of them. So, how important are comps? Do you feel in the as far as the growth of the industry? I, I think I think comps bring a transparency that's healthy for the industry. Um, I've you know we we're still seeing cards going up in value, so the comps are. I mean, they're relevant in the fact that people know that the last cards I'll make this up sold for five hundred. But they're also relevant in the fact that people know that there's not a lot of those five hundred dollar cards available, and so. You know, maybe I'm, I'm going to push myself to 550 or I'm going to push myself to 575, whatever. So we're still seeing cards go up in value. We're also seeing cards coming down in value. So, you know, I, I don't think that off of um, I, I don't think, you know, from a comp perspective. I think it's important to be able to look over things over a longer time frame versus what's happened in the last two weeks. I think that's the kind of intel that any one of us want as collectors. Um and I think I think you also want to be able to look at comps in a way that are not necessarily too um, spiky, right? Like you 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 want to look over a long period of time and just kind of see what the general trend is, so you can feel comfortable at point at sometimes paying a premium, and um, or at, sometimes you feel like you got a great discount. But yeah, I, I think the market will push things up and push things down as appropriate. I I agree. I agree. And, you know, even on my my episode last night of Sports Cards Live, we talked a bit about comps and the importance of them. And uh, I think they're data points. I think they're they're a guide. They're interesting to to follow, but they they shouldn't be the only the only sort of input into somebody's decision. But, you know, eBay does provide just by virtue of of storing 90 days. Is it 90 days of of past sales that are available uh, on eBay when you when you sort of filter out to sold items? I think when you filter on sold items, I, I, I don't want to get this wrong. Um, I think when you filter on sold items, you're getting 90 days worth of detail. But I think, you know, if you're a seller on eBay, you're getting what we call, 
you've got data going back as far as you need to now. So, you know, the people that are both buyers and sellers and so many of our collectors are buyers and sellers. So like, I, and, and I don't want to, I'm not using the term seller as I've got a, you know, $1 million business or anything. Like I'm a seller on eBay and I maybe sell a card a week. Um, but when I sell, I've got the data that I need to understand how to list things. And I think that's another important thing that we, you know, people also forget the other side of the business when we're talking comps. Um, yeah, it would be amazing if somebody didn't know how what the value of a Tom Brady rookie card graded as a PSA 10 was. But, you know, that's the other thing that people need is they need to understand, like, what's reasonable? Where can I put this price and see if I can get someone to jump on it? Um, so as a seller, I can go back and I can get a very long range of um, of price guidance. Oh, that's interesting. OK, very cool. Um, let's, uh, let's talk a little about, bit more about the year 22, that the year 2022 that just, uh, well, it's about to finish off. And really, um, I'm curious, what did eBay trading cards, you, you and your team, what did you guys learn about the sports card industry during 2022? Uh, and to the effect that they, they, that they impacted your business, how did you respond? Well, there's a there's a few things that we've done, and this goes back even one more year. Um, and that's fair. Go back yeah, as far yeah. as you'd like. Yeah, yeah. So, like, one of the things that we learned was, we know this, there's tens of millions of cards that are sold that are, you know, $20 and under. There's a lot of people who are getting into the base cards or maybe the first step up from a base card. There's a tremendous amount of velocity there. And like I was saying, when I was new, when I was brand new to this, uh, you know, I felt most comfortable going after a lot of the cheaper cards that are out there because because I just wanted to get my feet wet and learn, like, what is this process? What's going on? Um, so, you know, building the eBay standard envelope that we did and got it out there so that people could have tracked mail on, a, on an under $20 purchase, that really felt like a win for us. But it was all about filling a need that we had out there. There was a ton of people just putting a stamp on an envelope for some of these lower value cards and, and, you know, sending them out there. And, uh, you know, again, that's just a situation where it creates kind of a unfair environment for both the buyer and the seller. And, you know, I think that's just an example of what we're always looking at at eBay to see if there are places where we need to just tweak something a little bit one way or the other to make sure that things are on, you know, things are correct for both sides of the business. Sometimes you got to lean really heavily into the buyer side. Sometimes you have to lean really heavily into the seller side. But for the most part, we're constantly trying to make sure that everything's relatively fair for both sides. Um, that has that has continued. I think one of the most interesting things for 2022, though, um, is a lot of the year-over-year -year increases that we're seeing in what we you would call secondary sports or tertiary sports. I hate that term, but you know, sports cards have always been the big three: basketball, football, baseball. No, no, the big and four. Hockey's got to be in there. Come on. Then you're not going to like my next statement one bit because soccer is moving into that position as number four, uh, which makes sense because this whole thing is starting to expand internationally as well. And it's incredibly hot right now. It's because of the World Cup, right? But, but then you've got hockey. Then, so past hockey, past soccer, now you're starting to get into secondary, tertiary. There's not a good term for them. But, you know, UFC has been on fire. F1's been ridiculous. Wrestling, like old school WWE wrestling. Um, you know, we've seen tremendous uh, increases. Tennis, golf. <clears throat> so, you know, this has just continued to expand outward uh, into the other sports. And, you know, I think I think there's a formula that a lot of people like to follow. So if you're buying, if you're going to get a golf card, what's the golf card you try to get? You get Tiger. You go after the best, right? If you're getting tennis, you want Serena Williams. Um, and we just see that kind of replicating itself out on other, other sports. So a lot of energy out there in the secondary, tertiary, whatever we're going to call them, the other sports, right? Um, and then, you know, for the big three, for the big five, whatever we want to call them, there's there's stability occurring. There's, you know, people are, it's all getting back sort of on a path that I think people are going to feel more and more comfortable with. But that's been the most exciting thing is expanding this outward into the other sports, um, which just means our tools have to be that much more expansive. If, you know, if we create um, price guidance, we got to have F1 in there and you can't just do it for baseball, football, and basketball. You have to have hockey, you have to have soccer, right? They've, they've jumped over the hoop of volume that you have to make sure that they are being treated as the same. But, you know, then you got to start building F1 out. You got to build NASCAR out. You got to build golf out. 
So it makes it hard. It makes it harder. It makes there more lift involved, but it's all good because that's best for the hobby. Yeah. No, I appreciate all that. And I appreciate your, your, you know, uh, comments on, on hockey. Hockey's my first love as a, as a sport, as a fan and as a collector. So, but I recognize that it was at best the fourth most popular collect collectible sport for a long time. And now I also recognize the soccer has leapfrogged us it into that fourth spot. I hope it can at least maintain the fifth position uh, moving forward. Are we, is hockey going to maintain fifth, Bob? What do you think? I think so. I, I think I think hockey and soccer will be fighting everything out. I think there was a lot of buzz around World Cup right now. Um, there's still so much energy. I mean, I'm, our Canadian friend who was asking about the vault question, like that's one of the really cool things to see in this in this business is the exchange between Canada and the U.S. Lots of imports, lots of exports, um, and you know, hockey's the the leader of that. And we are starting to see a lot of this international business creep up elsewhere. Uh, you know, the Asian countries absolutely love basketball. Australia is really into basketball. Um, you're seeing European teams get more, you know, uh, start gravitating toward obviously soccer, football, whatever they want to call it. But, um, you know, they're starting to get into some of the sports and some of the, the, the just the, the, the hobby itself. So it's really it's really expanding from an international perspective, which I think is exciting. Well, let's hear what the chat has to say about the popularity of these sports. Uh, Justin Vick says, sorry, Jeremy, hockey is my number four. That's OK, Justin. Uh, you don't have to be sorry. I think it's cool that it's even it even ranks. T-Dot here says uh, hockey is cemented in the top four as there are over 100 years in the game. That's a nice comment. Brendan Ryan says, no way soccer is bumping hockey out of the big four. Show me the numbers. I mean, I think you guys, I think eBay has shown numbers in the past. Uh, maybe it was, I saw something to sum up 2021. Uh, Larry Morris says, Jeremy's face just fell off. It's all good. Very but you nice. know, the, the thing is, the thing that's great about the hobby is if hockey's your thing, then hockey's your thing. And the, the passion that people have is the same. You know, if you talk to a, if, if you're a hockey card trader and you talk to a, a baseball card trader, what's driving you guys is typically very similar. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like the passion, all of that, all of those things are very shared. And it's why you guys, when you have those conversations, you just light up and you get into it. And yeah, if you were talking to me about hockey, I wouldn't know much more, you know, I would know Gretzky and I would know, or, and I would know the, the greats and any of those things would be, awesome like and we had a couple amazing hockey cards at art basel and you know you just look at it and you know the historical significance of those guys and all of that's super cool to me um but i would have i personally would just avoid hockey because i don't know enough about it i don't know who i should be doing and i think that's what's cool about the the hobby is that it's it's super inclusive in the fact that you know i don't think anyone cares if you're a hockey guy a soccer guy a baseball guy or whatever they just want you to be a part of the hobby and have that passion Agreed. I agree with that for sure. I mean, you like what you like, and if fewer people like what you like, that's okay. Yeah, that's you know, better for you. Yeah, we have a few like Tdos says thirty-five million Canadians. You know, disagree. Yeah, but I know. I I've got all of Canada mad at me now. Right. No, but you know what? What's interesting <laughs> though, Bob, is it thirty-five million Canadians? That's you know, I that's bigger than what's California twenty-five million, which is a huge population. So what I you know, I, I don't take offense to any of this if, if hockey isn't as popular as soccer or any other sport. But what I do think is is real, I believe that the the strength of the collector bases, I think if you were to rank the, those, like just how healthy, how how strong is that foundation? I think baseball is going to be number one. It's America's pastime. And then you're going to have hockey number two because the hockey collectors are so loyal, so passionate, less transient. I think we've seen a lot of transient collectors come into basketball and football in the last few years more risk that they could just fall off, go away, stop collecting. Hockey collectors are pretty dedicated, at least the ones that I know, and I, I do know several of them. A few more comments here, Bob, though. Tito says soccer will be an afterthought in three months, and I mean, who knows? <laughs> perhaps it perhaps it will be. Tito says San Franciscoans know nothing about hockey, so there yeah, you go, Bob. You're off, totally the expectations hey, well, were low. <laughs> I've been to a couple Sharks games. Have you? I've been to, I was at a, shark, a Sharks game myself several years ago. Uh, California is 40 million people. Wow. I thought it was 25. That's, that's huge. That's a huge population. So right on par with Canada as a country, um, back to kind of what eBay learned over the past year or two, what you've done to address it. I I like you to talk about the trust policy, Bob, because 
that's something that the hobby is often, you know, concerned about, not just on eBay, but any platform, whether even, even if it's just on social media platforms, people meeting, but what, what, how important is the trust policy to eBay? That's a funny question. How important is, is it that your buyers and sellers can trust each other and how, how much of a priority or how often are you dealing with trust issues and speak a bit to the policy and how it's evolved? Sort of a yeah. triple-pronged question. You know, there, sorry. Yeah. So trust is front of mind every single day. And um, we, there, there's kind of, there's kind of two ways of answering this. You know, first of all, one is with the number of transactions that eBay does successfully, most of our transactions are, they go just the way you want them to go. Buyer did what the buyer was supposed to do. Seller did what the seller was supposed to do. Nothing got lost in the mail, right? Everything's, everything's on the up and up. And the vast majority of our transactions are like that. Reality of the situation is though, when something goes wrong, it punches well above its weight class. It's frustrating. And, um, you know, I, I know that if something actually happens directly to anybody watching this or anybody who's involved uh, in the hobby or anywhere on eBay, um, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating because it feels like you've been taken advantage of. It's frustrating because you, the, the, the very transaction you did is a, is a, it's a, it's a leap of faith with trust, right? So we think about it every single day. Um, there's always going to be more for us to do, but every single buyer should feel confident that the person that they're selling or the person that they're buying from is wants the same thing that the buyer wants, which is a transaction to go smoothly. And we need to keep doing uh, more and more to keep working towards that point. We'll you know, it'll be almost impossible to ever get to a point where I can just say, I wish, but I, I I, don't think you can ever get to a point that you can say, there's nothing bad that's going to happen in any transaction that happens on eBay. Um, I just don't think that's reasonable. But I do think it's reasonable to just work towards shrinking whatever those are and making it harder for bad actors on either side, seller or buyer, to get away with stuff. I think that there's a lot of bad actors out there who think that, you know, we're so big that we're not paying attention to these things and they can just keep doing it. We are paying attention and we've taken some pretty significant steps in the last couple of years to improve some of the trust that we have. Again, back to the changing the return policy, like a lot of people um, really were frustrated with that on the buying side because they liked having 30 days to hold on to a card and see if they thought it was going to appreciate in value. Um, you know, and then on the flip side, you the, the sellers out there, you know, it was always frustrating for me to ever hear about John Morant going nuts and scoring 60 points and everybody's looking for John Morant cards. And so suddenly you can't find the one that you had listed the other day, right? All of those kind of things are frustrating for me. They punch me in the gut almost as hard as they punch you in the gut, whoever the buyer is that's affected. And so it is a critical thing for us to work on. Trust is critical to expand upon and to uh, make better. Um, the, you know, the, the policies that we have in place, counterfeits, they're illegal. They're on eBay. I know that people put them up there. People forget to tell that they're selling a reprint. Um, you know, we are vigorously pulling those things down as fast as we can find them. Um, and so, you know, those, those are critical for us to do. Okay. No, good. And, you know, you're here to get feedback. You mentioned that you got, you got your ear to the ground. Outside, you know, trust is certainly important. A uh, couple comments in the in the in the chat to to verify that for us. But what else? What are you seeing that? What what do you hear from people when you're at a show? When you're doing shows like this, what are you seeing from people, customers that that frustrate them uh, in particular? Anything else that comes to mind? You, you know, thankfully. Um... Thankfully, the vast majority of interactions I have are actually pretty positive. Um, people recognize that you know some things go wrong if you're if you're selling a ton of stuff on on scale. Like uh, if something goes wrong, something went wrong. But um, I think that you know I do hear I hear frustration about not being able to get uh, enough customer service to help solve something. Um, I hear things about feeling like somebody is, you know, a seller suddenly goes radio silent, these kind of things. And again, these are the things that we need to work on. 
we need to we need to make sure that you've got help if you need help. We need to make sure that uh, sellers that do anything that even if it feels shady, I think knowing that it's being investigated, no, letting people know that that we are looking into it. Um, you know, we if if we do determine that somebody is acting in bad faith, we take them off the site. And, and there's been numerous people taken off the site from a selling perspective. From a buyer's perspective, we do the exact same thing. Um, so we are keeping our eyes out and trying to and trying to stop these things from happening. Um, but you know, for the most part, I think I think we just need to continue to take this feedback, take it, be humble when we hear it, and and go, okay, like let's how what can we do about this? What can we what can we do to stop unpaid items from an auction perspective? What can we do to prevent these things from happening? What are the steps we need to take? And I think in the coming year, you're actually going to see some things that you will understand as somebody who's deep in the hobby. You're like, oh, I, I know why they're doing this. I get that. That makes a lot of sense to me. You mentioned, uh, you know, unpaid items. That's certainly frustrating as are, you know, shill bidders and shill bidding. And I, I, I see lots of comments on that on social media. And I often see people accusing items of being shill bid. And I'm wondering, like, just because somebody has low feedback doesn't mean they're automatically a shill bidder. Um, can you just sort of shed some light on how, if you can quantify this at all, or just give an indication, like, are there new people still signing up on eBay and joining the sports yeah, car I mean, hobby the, who are the, coming out without yeah, any feedback and bidding legitimately? The most exciting thing, I think for everybody who's involved in the hobby, if we all, you know, the one thing that I think we all have in common is we want to just see the hobby get bigger. Um, it getting bigger is better for all of us. If we all, if, if we enjoy the buy, sell trade component of it, um, that's only good news. And we still see brand new people coming into the, onto the site. Um, we see brand new people who might not understand what they're doing. Um, but you know, I don't think it's fair to just assume that because someone's got zero feedback that they're automatically trying to game something. I will say this though, you know, one of the things that frustrates me, um about all of this is that there's there's two people being impacted um there's not a seller alive who doesn't who who wants the you know the card to go on unpaid for obviously right and in a situation that something goes um that something goes unpaid there was usually a second place person who wanted it and so i think that's a legit frustration i have heard that from people where you know i feel like I was going to get it and someone came in and, and sniped it at the last second. And then I see that it just shows up on the side again. That's frustrating. And I get that. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's, it's not a, it's not a suffer in silence kind of thing. Like I know this is happening and I know that this is something that we need to continue to improve upon. Yeah, for sure. And it can't be easy, especially when it comes to, to that particular item itself. All right, before we start to wrap up, Bob, anything else you'd like to mention uh, on behalf of eBay trading cards? What maybe anything else for as 2022 wraps up or any previews into 2023 uh, before I, I want to come back and ask you more of a personal question? Yeah, so for previews, I can't really tell you guys what's happening, but keep just keep your ears open and look for the, you know, look for the marketing announcements. I think I think we've released a lot of really cool stuff to, again, make eBay a better place to shop. I think there's some really cool stuff coming and I'm excited about it. And I and I think that um, it's going to make um, I, I think various components are going to have impacts on various types of collectors. Um, so just keep your ears open and look for those. The other thing is, you know, we are going we are at the big shows. Um and please like come see us come you know we'll at the national we'll have a booth at um in a cup early in q1 we're going down to uh, a thing that's happening down in burbank you know we're we're going to be at these shows um and we need the face-to-face -face interaction we we want to hear from you and we want to hear your horror stories too uh you know we want to hear your successes we want to hear your horror stories um, we typically go to these shows now with a full retinue of like our product team, our engineers, you know, our, our literal coders so that they can hear firsthand, uh, how they can help impact people. Um, and then of course I, I'm going to be there and, and my team will be there and we'd love to get, we'd love to get direct with you and get your feedback. So if you have the opportunity to go to any of the bigger shows, please swing by, just say hi, introduce yourself, tell us what's going on. 
We typically also have GCX support or sorry, help desk support. Um, you know, we, people there. So if you've been sitting there with some account issue that you can't get resolved, like these are great places to get those completely fixed as well. You, you mentioned to, you know, come see us at shows, come see eBay at shows. And you mentioned the National Burbank. You guys have been set up at the Sport Card Expo in Toronto the last couple of years as well. So that tells me that hockey is certainly on your radar, <laughs> which, of course, I like to hear. Bob, you're, you're, you mentioned earlier, you know, you are a collector yourself. Is there anything out there that you're hunting down right now that you're kind of do you have do you have saved searches on on eBay that you uh, that you check regularly as well? I and just what, 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 I, what I, are you I, looking for? Yeah, you know it's funny. I just got um, I literally just succeeded at my last hunt, which was a Holland rookie card. He's a, a soccer player. Um, been I've been I've been swinging and missing on multiple auctions, and I just got that that closed. So I'm super excited about that. That will be making its way over to the vault. Um, I think, I, I don't know, like literally I'm, I'm thinking I need to pivot hard to Brock Purdy right now because the kid just tore it up today. But, uh, no, I think, I think the next one, uh, I was talking about my earlier collection of Montana and rice. I think I'm getting to a place where I actually want to start upgrading, um, my, my Montana. So, you know, I've got a, a low grade PSA card that might be the next one to start making my way up that, that elevator. Cause, um, you know, I think that he is. I think that he I, he's my greatest. Brady's better, but he's my greatest. Um, and then you know the the interesting thing that we just saw in real time recently, um, uh, Pele had a bunch of news reports about you know his health um, being in bad shape, and it's wild to watch people start pounding the site and trying to find Pele things. So um, right now, my hunt just finished. My last hunt just finished. I'm going to start a new hunt as soon as I figure out what it needs to be. Um, it might be something related to Pele. It might be something, it might be just that, you know, Montana rookie grail card for myself. I, I do also, I, I collect some Jerry Rice stuff. So when you say that, we may be bidding on the same items here and there. But uh, yeah, to me, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, those are great, great athletes to collect, uh, you know, goats, if you will. What do you think of the term goat, Bob? You know, it's great for, um, it's great for conversation. Um I, for me, like, and the cool thing about uh, collecting is um, it doesn't matter. It matters what you think, right? So um, is LeBron better than Jordan? That's a great conversation to have over a beer or over a dinner, right? But I don't, it'll never be solved. So it really comes down to what you think, right? And um, I would be happy to have a LeBron card and I would, a, a great LeBron card. And I would be happy to have a, a, a Jordan rookie card as well. Right. Because I respect both of them tremendously. Um, you know, if I was really going to get into that argument, I'd, I'd start saying Kareem, but you know, these are the kind of, these are the kind of arguments that we've all probably had a million of. Um, but it, it's, it's what matters to you. And that's, what's cool about this. So Jerry Rice, like I'll put him up on any goat argument as a wide receiver, but um, you know, I'm open to other people feeling that you, you know, this guy over here is is the goat. It's just that's just a fun part of this. It's all about what you want and what you think. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh here, Justin Vick says goat should be reserved only for Michael Jordan and uh and Wayne Gretzky. My comment on go on the term, you know, it, it it means greatest of all time. There can only be one like per sport, but I don't buy into that that limitation anymore bob because just the way it's used in the hobby i think we have to give it a little bit of freedom to say you know what and what i say is you know goats travel in herds there can be more than one goat uh per sport okay before i move on to my last question i want to bring up mogul good says my son and i enjoy collecting the ebay dj ski cards that were given out at the national i have a couple of those myself says unfortunately psa refuses to grade them perhaps bob can look into that on his end so bob if you want yeah, to that's, take, take note that's uh, thanks for letting me know i i i'm surprised um those the the ski partnership was a lot of fun he did he did great cards for us at the last national and the last last national um those are a lot of fun he's a tremendous artist um but yeah i i had no idea thank you for sharing that with me i i'm surprised that that those aren't getting graded well, there you go. We learn something every day. Thank you, Tom Bullard. Uh, thanks for joining the show today. Uh, Bob, final question. This is Collectible Live. Collectible is the fractional ownership company for sports trading cards, memorabilia, and soon to be more, I believe. 
Bob, what uh, what can you tell me? You know, I asked this question to to everybody who comes in. You just you did a touch on it before, but we've had a lot of more people join since then. How do you see fractional ownership in the hobby uh, fitting into the overall landscape as we're moving forward? Yeah, I I mean fractionalization again. It just makes a lot of sense to me. I think for anyone who's brand new to it, think about the stock market. Um, if you buy a share of Apple, you've now bought a fractionalized asset. Um, it would be great to be able to own Apple, the company, but that's a that's a pretty big uh, task, right? So when you buy a share of a company, you're getting a share of, you know, your own piece of that company. Fractionalization is the same thing. It, it's gonna it's gonna help ensure greater liquidity. It's gonna help drive price discovery and transparency, and it's gonna give access, accessibility to high end cards and other things that normally you just wouldn't have. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like I, I would love, one of the comics we had at our Basel was an amazing fantasy. It's the first Spider-Man. It was a beautiful, it was graded an eight by, um, by uh, CGC. Um, you don't see books like that in that condition. And uh, I think, you know, I, I can't afford that book. There's no way I could ever afford that book. But I think it'd be really neat to be able to have a piece of that book. And I, and I think that's where fractionalization comes in. It's going to be just another part of your portfolio. If you think about these assets as things that you want to uh, collect and appraise and, and have them appreciate, I just think it, it's, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, the, the idea of a mantle PSA eight, just sitting there in someone's hands forever. I think it'll actually increase the value of the card over the time. I shouldn't, you know, I, I can't I can't speak to whether things are going to appreciate or depreciate, depreciate, but it makes sense to me that, that by having more people be fractional owners of it, I could see that liquidity actually driving the value of that item up over time in a way that when only the people the only people that can in fact actually afford it are very rare air and there's only so many of them. When you start fractionalizing, you're opening it up to that many more people, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, so thank you for that that response. I, I love hearing everyone's response to, to how they see fractional fitting in. This is episode 56 of Collectible Live. I think I probably asked it 55 or 56 times by now. Uh, Bob, there's been a few questions that have come through we haven't, we haven't addressed and gone to. Is there anywhere that people can direct any questions that they weren't able to ask you today uh, afterwards on social media or anything like that? You know what? I would I would ask everybody to follow at eBay Collectibles on Instagram. Um, I think it's a fun way of staying in tune with what we are doing. Uh, that's where we're going to announce new tools. That's where we're going to announce where we're going to be in the future. Um, it's not a great place to ask questions back to us. Um, I'm going to hope I'm going to hope that my comms teammate is is online and if they have any ideas as other places that we could actually uh pull in some feedback but i i don't think we've got a direct source um again the best place would certainly be um you know at these shows um talk to us there uh if if you follow us at ebay collectibles and you have something that you need help with go ahead and throw it in there maybe we will see it um but the best thing possible if you can make it is to come to one of the shows and come find me uh, directly. And what if you're actually a, having, if, if you're actually having like a problem, go through the customer service process. If you want to give service. us feedback on what we need to do, we kind of need to meet you face to face. And I, I assume that to reach out to customer services is easy as going to the website and just looking for that right. email address. That's right. All right. Okay. Well, there you go, everybody. Uh, that's going to be it for Collectible Live today on December the 11th, 2022. We will be back uh, on December 20th will be the, the next and last episode of Collectible Live this year. Bob, thank you for joining. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me and happy holidays, everyone. Thank you. Same to you. Hang tight right there for a moment, Bob. Everyone, again, thanks for joining. Have a great week ahead, and we will see you next time. This episode of Collectible Live is now over. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.